Hi, my name is Sue S. I'm a very grateful recovering compulsive overeater practicing this program one day at a time. Um, to get the statistics out of the way, to show that I qualify to speak at a 100-pounders meeting, I originally, I originally came into OA in the late 1990s, and I don't remember exactly when, um, but um, well, I do remember when. It was November, no, that's when I came back from relapse. I came back in the late 1990s. I stayed around for four years, got a head full of myself, and went out to do some more research. I came back from relapse in November of 2010. It took me until it took me until 2014, January of 2014, to get abstinent again. Um, and um, since that time, I've lost 90 pounds, and I still have far more weight to go. Um, so I do qualify as a 100-pounder. Um, I don't talk too much about my, my family of origin, except to say that my parents were my parents. They were real human beings. It took me until I was grown up and went through a lot of therapy to realize they did the best they could with the situation at hand, um, that I am an adult. Um, I now deal with my problems from my childhood as an adult um, and realize that my parents were also flawed adults because I really thought that my mother in particular was, was a perfect human being and didn't make mistakes, which made me, who felt I made a lot of mistakes as a kid, um, feel very flawed. And that was a misbelief on my part. I am the second oldest of five children. Um, my, there's 13 years, 13 months difference between myself and my older sister. So I was brought up as an Irish twin. Um, and there's four years difference between myself and my brother who comes next in line. And then the three youngest come one, two, three, pretty much right after that. <clears throat> I'm told there were four miscarriages in between. Um, so um, I come from a large family. And um, I would love to say it was a very happy, joyous, and you know, wonderful family because I always wanted the Ozzy and Harriet family or the, um, you know, the ones that I used to see on TV. I wanted them to be the family where father always knew best. Um, that quarrels were settled in 30 minutes and everybody lived happily ever after. And it just wasn't true. Um, my father was sickly. The older he got, the sicker he became. My mother got angry because she was left with five kids and an unsupportive husband that she had to take care of. And she was meningitis and um, she was his nurse. So the whole story of my parents was her always taking care of him. And um, she got angry after a while. Um, my father passed away when I was 19. Um, my mother passed away when I was 25. And I was left to be an adult for the rest of my life. And I didn't like it. I didn't want to be an adult. I didn't want to grow up. I wanted to be Peter Pan. And food was a big part of my childhood. Because whenever I got upset or angry, I went to food. Um, I remember as a young child being very thin, and then I reached puberty, and I went from a size um, large girl, like a size 14 girl, to an 18 woman, and I don't remember being any size in between. I don't remember ever being a junior size or any size that was in between a 14 girl and an 18 woman. I just blossomed. 
um, all over. Um, I ate what I wanted to eat. I was never a very good dieter. When I tried to diet, and my mother had helped me to try and diet several times when I was younger, um, I would last about a week, a week and a half, maybe, and then I'd go back to eating the way I was eating before. I like sweets. Um, I like carbs. And um, they gave me comfort. They made me feel good. Um, and I knew that. Uh, so um, I would hide my feelings of inadequacy, that my sister was always better, prettier, more likable, more mom's favorite, and um, under this camouflage of fat that I developed at the age of like nine or 10. And um, I thought that, hey, you know, that's okay. That's just the way it's supposed to be. And um, I got out of grammar school and Unfortunately for my sister, I followed right along behind her into high school. Um, we weren't given much choice. We all went to the, I went to Catholic school. We went to diocesan high school that was the choice because it was the cheapest. Um, and so I followed my sister into the diocesan high school, and I was a negative little sister. Now, in high school, high school was bigger than the grammar school. So I did manage to lose my sister most of the time, and I didn't follow behind her, um, but it still annoyed her, and I knew it. And um, I found my own crowd. I did find a group of people to hang out with, um, and I still found my food. We had a cafeteria that we would go to for lunch, and I looked, I gravitated. I brought my own lunch most days, but I gravitated, gravitated in the lunchroom to the desserts. At 16, my mother brought me to a diet doctor that gave me a box of pills. It was a total fast diet. You just didn't eat anything, and you took your pills three times a day. Um, and I did it. I was faithfully faithful to the diet until my mother said, no, we're not going to the doctor anymore. And as soon as I stopped taking the pills, I gained all the weight back and then some. It was always an amount of I would lose the weight, and then I'd always gain more back. Um, my aunt went on one of these powders. Um, you mix the powder with water or milk or whatever you mix it with. My aunt wound up selling it, and we did that for a while. Um, uh, we went to a gym to, to rotate off the fat. Um, and then my mother moved to Mount Falcon, Pennsylvania, after my father passed away um, because she had two other, three other siblings to send to Catholic high school. And um, she couldn't afford it. So she moved to Mount Pocono, Pennsylvania, and I stayed in New York. I'm come, I come from Long Island, New York. I grew up in Queens, and I keep moving further east as I get older. Um, so, um, you know, food was my friend. Food was my comfort. Um, when I was in my – after I got out of – I went from high school, I went to nursing school. Um, I didn't like it very much, but that was in my time. Um, was one of the few choices that were offered to women who went to, in my area, in the Catholic school, if all the women became either school teachers, nurses, or secretaries. That was pretty much what was offered to us. Or they just went home and got married um, and had kids. Um, and um, so I became a nurse. My mother was a nurse. My sister was a nurse. I became a nurse, and um, when I got out of nursing school, um, I decided
decided I was going to join the Air Force and see the world, except I was too heavy to pass the physical. So the recruiter told me to come back in a couple of months when I had lost the weight and he'd sign me up. Um, <coughs> sorry. Um, so um, I started to lose the weight. I went on a really strict no, no junk food diet. And I went to the Y and I started to swim. I used to swim five nights a week and I started to really lose the weight. But the other thing that happened is as I was losing the weight, I also became more attracted to the opposite sex. And this one particular gentleman, um, and he really was a gentleman, um, became attracted and we started to date. And from the beginning, he said he loved me and he wanted to marry me. And I thought that was ridiculous. I thought that was the most happened. And um, we start, We kept dating, and he kept telling me this. And after a while, I started to feel like, well, maybe he really was the one. And so I um, consented to marry him. We, um, I had gone to my um, one of my doctors, and he told me I'd never get pregnant on my own. And six weeks later, I went back and told him that he was wrong. So I became newly married, and then... Um, nine months later, we had a baby, and so I was newly married with this new baby, and I was absolutely, totally confused and miserable because I didn't know what was going on anymore in my world. My world was totally disheveled. I had gained 50 pounds of baby fat that didn't go away after I had the baby, and now I was totally, totally confused and miserable. My husband was working nights, so he'd go to work at night to take to, to go to work, and I'd stand on the top of, he was in an upstairs apartment, I'd live on, stand on the top of the stairs, and I'd cry, because he was leaving me. Um, and so once the baby went to bed, I'd sit down and eat, and eat, and try and drown my misery in food. Um, I, I had to go back to work, too, eventually, and um, I went back to work part-time. I found, so originally it was, I was working part-time nights, and after doing that for a couple of months, I decided that wasn't really working that well because I was really crazy because I didn't know whether it was night or day anymore. And um, I got a full-time day job, or a part-time day job over the summer, which turned into eventually a full-time day job. And um, my son was growing up, and we decided to have another baby. And the doctor was wrong again. Um, within two months, I was pregnant again. And this time we had a girl. So we had a boy and a girl. And I was living in the suburbs. And I thought everything should be wonderful and wondered why I was still so miserable and why I still needed so much food. And what I decided was that if you didn't like the fact I was fat, that was your problem, that eventually God would decide a weight that I should be at. And it would happen. And it would stop. I'd stop gaining weight. Um, and all sorts of crazy ideas were going through my head. Um, the kids started growing up. Um, I just kept eating. I tried a pay and way, um, lost some weight, but eventually went off the pay and way um, and stopped out. And um, that was the event. That was the extent of my trying. I just didn't care anymore. So I was fat. Um, and. Um, then um, I started having stomach issues. I started having these weird stomach pains that nobody could figure out exactly why I was having so much pain. And um, in my late 30s, late 30s? Late, I guess it was my late 30s. 
um, the doctors said to me that I needed to make um, lifestyle changes. So I knew if they were talking to me about lifestyle changes, I'd have to get go into therapy. If I didn't know how to change my life. Um, I was a very busy person. I was, had gone back to school. Um, the kids were busy. I was busy. My husband was working nights. I was working days. I had to find some way to change my life. So I went to see a therapist to help me change my life and slow down. And um, he wanted me to take antidepressants and anti-anxiety pills. I didn't want to do that. So I went to my primary care doctor. I didn't want to go to a psychiatrist. So I went to my primary care doctor. And he wrote me a prescription for an anti-anxiety drug and an antidepressant. That was in September. By January, I was so depressed um, that I tried to commit suicide with the anti-anxiety pills and a bottle of vodka. Um, I don't remember much about that evening other than I had called my therapist. And fortunately, he called me back and he dialed 911 from my home phone. Um, the police came into my house. They, um, I remember them coming down the stairs. They had been checking on my kids that were upstairs. And I woke up in the emergency room the next morning feeling totally awful and being admitted to the psych wards. Um, the next six months, I was in and out of the psych wards. I began to feel more comfortable in the psych wards than out of them. And um, I was so upset and so nervous that I had to visit my son's, I had to go to my son's sixth grade graduation from the psych ward. And um, I couldn't wait to go back to the psych ward. I was not comfortable at all outside the psych ward. So my psychiatrist didn't know what to do with me. And I wound up going to a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center in upstate New York that also deals with psychiatric problems with a dual diagnosis kind of program. And I spent the rest of the summer there. I got a good education in 12 steps. I had never heard of a 12 step program before. And, um, and they told me to go to meetings. Okay, so I went to meetings. Of course, it wasn't OA meetings because I didn't know anything about OA yet. It was the other program. And I went to meetings five and six days. I started going every day when I first got out because I was a bit doobie and I did what they told me and I thought it would make me feel better. But I never felt like I quite fit in there because I had no problem giving up the alcohol. Um, and when I went to the meetings, they had stuff there that I liked, so it was great. Um, and um, so after about doing that for seven years, um, somebody finally started talking about this program called Over Ears Anonymous. And I talked to my therapist about going to OA, and she said, well, maybe it'll help you with the emotional support, but don't get too involved because those people are a little nutty when it comes to the food. So I went to my first OA meeting, and um, when I got there, nobody had the key. There were three, two other people there, and nobody had the key to the church. So this one woman and I went to someplace else where there was supposed to be an, another meeting. Excuse me. And there was nobody there either, but she knew where the stuff was for a newcomer's meeting. And so together, the two of us had a newcomer's meeting, and it was great. I knew I was home. Um, I came back the next night. There were a lot of people there. A lot of people. There had to be 50 or 60 people in the room. The room was jammed. And um, I got hooked up with a crowd. We used to go to in-person meetings five and six nights a week. We went to the same meetings. We followed each other. And uh, on Saturdays, we used to go out to lunch after, after the meeting. 
and I learned how to eat in a restaurant by going with these people um, to lunch. And it was wonderful. It, I stayed around. I got abstinent right away. I lost almost 100 pounds the first year. And um, I started to go out and speak, and it was great. Um, and then it got to be a lot of work. And then I didn't like it so much because I was like, I'm doing all this work, and now I'm plateaued, and nothing's happening, and I have friends, I have a food plan. What do I need to do all this work for? So I talked myself into not going to so many meetings and not doing so much service. And eventually I left the room. And as I said in the, in the beginning, I, I went back to the room. I crawled back into the rooms in November of 2010. I had lost my job. I had a nervous breakdown on my job. I was back in a site day, day treatment site program, and I was almost suicidal again. Um, and um, this time, um, instead of just talking about the steps, I actually did all 12 steps. And this time, I, got a, I still got a sponsor. I love my sponsor dearly. She's been my sponsor through thick and thin for the last 13 years. Um, and I worked a program of recovery. I still do a lot of service. I'm starting to cut down a little bit on my service, but of course God always finds another place for me to do service. Um, and I try not to say no when OA asks me to do service. Um, I at least try, but um, I am getting older. And what scares me the most is that people are not stepping up to do service. Um, I remember when, and I do have been around a long time, I, I found the OA, nine, I found this meeting, the 100 pounders meeting, when I had first moved out to Suffolk County, I fractured my ankle, and I couldn't drive because it was my right foot, and I needed the meeting because I had just gotten abstinence, and I didn't want to lose my abstinence, and I needed meetings. Judge and, reminder, two minutes. Thanks. And I needed meetings. And um, I looked up online, and I knew something about I heard something about telephone meetings, and I found the 100 pounds meeting on the OA website, and I started coming to the 100 pounds meeting on the telephone. Um, but, um, and it saved my life. It, it saved my abstinence because I wasn't going to any meetings close by, and my husband wasn't going to drive me an hour's drive back to go to the meetings that I knew. Um, but um, if I could say anything, I was willing to do whatever it took to stay abstinent. And sometimes I wonder um, what would have happened if I wasn't willing. Today I have a life beyond my wildest dreams. I have friends in this program, some of whom I've never met face to face. I have friends I have met face to face that come from all over the world because I've had the honor and the privilege of being able to do service, not just on, I've done service on the level of intergroup, I've done service on the level of region, which is above intergroup, and I've done service on the level of the World Service Business Conference. And that is an amazing thing to go to, where you find people who are abstinent, and who talk the same language as you do from all around the world. They may not speak, we always have spoken all over the world. And they have the same disease that I do. 
and I've learned to practice this program one day at a time. I do the best I can for one day. The past is the past. The future is not here yet. I only have today. And that's the way I live my life. One day at a time. And time. I, thank you. I'll wrap up. So I just wonder um, what other, how other people feel about programs. And so with that, I'll pass because my time is up. My name is Sue S. I'm on the East Coast. My phone number is 516-721-0816. You can call or text. I do also have WhatsApp if you're out of the country. And um, the topic that I'd like to leave you with maybe is willingness. What are you not willing to do for your recovery? Thanks for letting me share.